0: we supposed to get married?
1: I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life.
0: I think it's absolutely okay to follow up. I think you have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. You
1: can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello lovers, welcome to another amazing episode of Dates and Mates. You know what? This isn't just another episode. This is actually the second episode of our 10th season. It has been a wild ride. And I have loved every minute, every day, every month, pretty much, yeah, for the last 10 years. And that's because I really feel like love and relationships are so important. They touch every aspect of our lives. But while that remains true, there are so many things around dating and relationships that have changed drastically. Have you ever found yourself leaning a little bit too hard onto the rules of dating? It can be frustrating, right? Like who pays for what? When should I text them back? What should I text them? How do I define the relationship? The rules are ever changing, but my mission on this show is to always keep you in the know. Oh, look. That rhymed. (laughs) And to give you the tools, the resources, and the very best guests who can answer the questions I posed a moment ago and so many more. And that's why I have Ilana Dunn. She is the host of the hit podcast, Seeing Other People. And she's joining me today on Dates and Mates. She's also the former video and content producer for the dating app Hinge. And I would say she's the foremost authority on millennial and Gen Z dating. No big deal. Alana is going to be sharing her top texting tips and her no-games approach that is rewriting the rules of love for today's daters. But we always kick off the show with news you can use. Our big headline for today is, Liar, liar, profile on fire. Folks are fibbing on dating apps. But about what? Then later in Dear Demona, I will tackle this heartfelt question. How do I know if my relationship is worth fighting for? Ooh, it's time to download your updates now. Let's dish. These Dating Dish. The online magazine Big Think tells us that men and women both lie in dating profiles. Like, duh, I know you've seen it. But they're not lying about the same things. According to a recent study, about 80% of people include information in their profile that contains deviations from the truth. So that's 80% of people lying in their profiles. But what are they lying about? Well, let's take a step back and look at just globally what people view as attractive There was a study from Cambridge University that looked at 33 countries, and across the board, men placed value on certain traits that they characterize as reproductive capacity. So they say this is physical attractiveness and youth. Hold on before you spit out your coffee. I'm going to debunk this a little bit (laughs) for the modern digital audience. Uh, But women tend to place greater value on resource acquisition. So for those of you who don't have degrees from Cambridge, that's basically like higher social status, and they say provision, which is basically... Being able to get you things like this is like caveman mindset, right? Caveman, cavewoman, caveperson of like, I need somebody who can go out there and provide for me and get me things. But it's very interesting the way that I see it being reflected on dating apps, because we're not only reflecting those larger values of attractiveness, we are also being influenced now by our impressions of beauty from social media, from from media in general, from other people online and the responses that we get. And all of that is turning into this big gumbo of deceit online. So before you say, that's right, Damona, I hate it. I've been catfished and people are out here lying about their profiles. That's right. 80% of them are lies. All of these profiles are lies. First of all, a lot of that 80%, they're fibs. They're They're slight edits and exaggerations. They're mostly not outright just straight up lies. But the really interesting thing and what I love to do on the show is just turn things a little bit back around on ourselves because we can't control other people, we can control ourselves and what we do. And this 2021 study that the article cites said men were most upset when they were deceived about attractiveness and women were more upset when men lied about their prospective dates occupation. I know we're like we can't escape our programming. Right. But it's so interesting to me because for 80 percent of people to be deceiving others on their dating profiles, that means that the same folks who are saying I'm mad about this deception are doing a little bit of deception themselves. So let's clean up our side of the streets And let me revise this impression of what we are traditionally attracted to. Because I think there are a lot of new ways that men demonstrate attractiveness now that I think is not yet being captured in some of these studies, but I see being reflected online. When we look at matching and we look at people's responses to matching questions, we're seeing totally different traits now that are becoming more attractive. And beyond just physical characteristics, people are looking for mental health and wellness. It is attractive to actually talk about the fact that you believe therapy is necessary. You'll get more matches and likes on OkCupid than if you say you don't believe in it. People are also looking for financial stability overall, not just women seeking resource acquisition and provisions, as the study says. But everyone, everyone wants financial stability. And I think this is a little bit of a side effect of the pandemic and a lot of people feeling, feeling financially insecure during this time. So they're like, hey, well, how about a partner that could be more financially secure? That'll solve that problem. But here's the major curveball. Also, we're seeing that traditional gender roles are out. So Women are initiating messages more than ever before. 95% of women on OkCupid said they usually send the first message on their dating app if they're interested. So the more authentic you can be, and I know I've said this for a long time, probably for, I don't know, oh, about 10 seasons. Authenticity is really the important thing. And not being deceitful. We think that we'll be more attractive if we... If we, you know, face tune a little bit, if we put on makeup or we go get a little little spray tan, you're not sitting in the tanning beds anymore, right? Right? We're not doing that. But we think that these things are attractive. I just had a dater tell me this the other day. She said, I think I w- I want this because I see this on Instagram. And I want to give you permission, even with all of this information, to know that You just have to be you and the right person will find you attractive. And when you are bold and you lean more into the things that make you unique, you're more likely to get messages. You're more likely to make a connection than if you try to make yourself into something that you're not because you think it is more attractive. So the next time you're feeling kind of triggered because you feel deceived from reading somebody else's profile, instead of getting mad at them or instead of pushing away the dating app entirely, I'm gonna challenge you to say, how can I be more my authentic self on my dating app? How can I put my, not my best foot forward, but my most authentic foot forward? And little by little, as we all take responsibility for how we are presenting and letting ourselves be open and vulnerable and our true selves online, the more that we can change dating culture overall, because we're moving away from those old norms of just you know the same old ideals of physical attractiveness and youth or, or finances and provisions. In fact, we are all moving towards dating against type. And the OkCupid data this fall shows that 95% of daters are now open to dating someone who isn't their usual type. So step outside of the box a little bit Be brave to be yourself and see what you get back in return. Coming in hot today. All right, when we come back, Ilana Dunn will join me to share her no-games approach to modern dating. Stick around. Are you feeling a little anxious and overwhelmed? I get it. We all work a lot. And then there are chores and errands and cleaning. We busy out here. And the day-to-day can make it hard to shift gears and get in the mood. But with Dipsy, you can just focus on what makes you feel good. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Dipsy Stories brings scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. New content is released every week, so you can change things up or listen to your favorite stories again and again. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also have written stories. It is your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of Dates & Mates, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash datesandmates. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash datesandmates. Look for that link in the show notes, dipsystories.com slash mates. Welcome back. I am here with Ilana Dunn. She is the former video and content producer for the dating app Hinge. Today, Ilana hosts the podcast Seeing Other People, and she is an expert in millennial and Gen Z dating. Her mission is to help daters feel more empowered and less alone in their dating lives. We certainly share that mission here at Dates and Mates, and we are excited to welcome her to the show with big smooches. It's Ilana Dunn. Welcome. Now you're on the other side. I was on your podcast seeing other people. Now you're here at Club Dates and Mates. How you feeling?
0: I am so excited to finally get through that door. The bouncer let me in. It's been a long time coming and I am so excited to be here. Well girl we had to check your
1: ID first of all. Uh, You know I know you you speak to a millennial and Gen Z audience on your podcast and on Instagram and all the great content that you do. Uh, So I kind of thought today we would focus in a little bit on what shifted. You know, I've been coaching people for, I'm just like, I don't even want to say anymore, for a long time, (laughs) like over 15 years. And I have watched a lot of changes happening to dating culture. And I feel like you're always on the pulse of really what, what is happening, and also what people need to do to be successful, because the rules have changed, haven't they? (laughs) Oh, they have. (laughs) They've definitely changed, and you've worked with Hinge in the past. I work with OkCupid. We've both also been tracking what's happening with dating apps, but you you talk a lot about having a no-games approach and a no-rules approach, and this is something actually like I'm writing a book right now called The Modern Love Myth that's really about all of these games and rules that we've played and kind of deconstructing that. But I'm curious how you came to that perspective and what you really mean when you say that.
0: Yeah. So I, as many people do, really, really struggled in my dating life. And I felt like everyone around me, you know, when I would try and get advice from friends or when I would try and see what people I looked up to online were doing to have more success than I was having it seemed like everyone was just saying like, you got to follow the dating rules. You have to play the games and you have to do it this way because I did it this way and that's what worked for me. And that was really frustrating to me because I, in my mind, was like, well, great, that's what worked for you, but you didn't go through you know a year-long traumatic relationship where the person was cheating on you the whole time. You didn't have the first person you dated cheat on you. You didn't have people lie to you. So what works for you, I'm so glad that works for you, but that isn't necessarily going to work for me based on what I've been through and my past experiences that have shaped who I am and how I date. And so that kind of became what led me to this whole no rules, no games mentality, because If you follow one set of rules, you're saying, like, we all have the same experiences. We all have dated in the exact same way and have had the same things happen to us. So we can all play by the same rules. We can all play hard to get. We're fine, you know, not giving too much of ourselves on the first date. We're fine waiting to respond because that makes them want to, you know, want our response more. But for me that felt really wrong. I felt like I needed to be upfront about what I was looking for. I felt like I needed to be upfront if I was interested in somebody, if I wanted to see them again. I didn't want to sit there and wait for their response because that was going to drive me crazy and that was going to trigger, you know, my anxiety and remind me of things I've been through in the past. So, for me it was really about figuring out what worked emphasis on for me. I think that it's refreshing and I think it's something that people are really excited to hear because it allows room for them to be themselves. Agreed. And there
1: are some like major rules that I think we, you and I can really <laughs> dismantle here today. And I, I do feel sometimes, cause I, you know, I coach people of all ages and sometimes, you know, ladies, let's be, be gentle with yourselves, but I will say, uh, sometimes Older clients have an attachment to the way dating etiquette used to go and chivalry. I have been saying for the over 15 years that I've been coaching that women should take control of their dating destiny, that they should initiate, that we need to get rid of all these ideas of like, who's going to text first? Who's going to make the first move? And I know you have a similar perspective. Do you see any differences in, in the, the people that you are speaking to on seeing other people and the people that you work with? Do you see differences generationally or do you think that this is more of just kind of a trial and error, like you figure out the dating etiquette or the communication etiquette that
0: really feels natural for you? I think it's a bit of both. I will say with people who I talk to who have been older than me, there are more people, women in particular, who you know, they want to be wined and dined. They want to be courted. And my response to that is like, if that's what you want and that's what you're okay with, fine. But know that there is another option. But again, if that is what you wholeheartedly want and believe is the right way to find your person, great. You know, I have friends who... They want to be taken out. They don't want to pay for a single date until they are in a relationship with that person. And there's no changing their mind on that. That's how they grew up. Like, that's what they grew up being taught. That's what they wanted back then. And that's what they want now. But I do think that people, especially, you know, I just turned 28. So people who are around my age and a bit younger and, you know, getting out into the dating world for the first time or exploring dating apps for, you know, the first time, I do think that they are quickly realizing like, okay, it's really hard and I'm willing to try different things and to see what works.
1: That is so much of it, right, Alana? Like the, the trial and error. And you, I I try to give people personalized advice, you know, when people write in, like you said, in creating their own dating plan, but I also have to give some generals. And I think that initiating the first message, like we're dating online the same way that we used to date offline and the rules are not the same. So I do feel like even though I've been told, like I've had people swear up and down that uh, older men will like, don't like it if you initiate the first message. And I'm like, and I I said to this client asked me that the other day and I go, all right, then date the younger men. (laughs) She was like, it doesn't work like that. But It it doesn't work like that if that's the story that you're telling yourself.
0: Yes. Tell yourself a different story. The right older man will be okay with you sending the first message.
1: Because trust me, it just so happened. My husband did send me the first message, but I was very proactive on initiating messages because I also, I just didn't, I didn't want to get caught in a lot of like, I call it the texting trap, like the dead end messages. And I really want to hear your, your insights on, on texting, but he happened to initiate, but I would I would have initiated if I found him. Uh, he just wasn't coming up when I was searching. This is like before not swipe not a swipe app. And when we matched, like I'm very type A. I initiate a lot of things. You may have guessed that about me. My husband is like thrilled for me to plan a vacation, for me to make the phone calls, schedule, book things. He wants none of that. So in a way, if I had been like, let me be this demure just dim a flower and let you do all the leading. It would have felt like a bait and switch when we got in the relationship. Yeah. And I'm like, here's how things are going to go. <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> well, that's, and that's exactly why I tell people you should not play by the dating rules. You should not follow those because if you're doing that, if you're pretending to be somebody you're not, you're basically tricking somebody into falling for a version of you. That's not actually you. And guess what? Eventually one day they're going to see the real you and they're going to be confused.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's why authenticity is everything. I think we've been wearing so many of these layers for so long. We don't know how to shed them. We don't, like, when pe- when I tell people, like, my platform is all about love as you are authenticity, they're like, I don't understand what that means. What does that mean?
0: What does it mean to <laughs> you? Like, I don't to know you? how to love as I am. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I, well, yeah. But, like.
1: I mean, you've been through your own journey with that. How how did you come to shed some of those layers and figure out really who you are and what you bring to the table in a relationship?
0: I think I was in a very fortunate position where I started talking about my dating life for a living. And so I got to learn a lot. I got to really dive into, you know, not necessarily mistakes I made, because let's be honest, I made a ton of mistakes, but I don't know that I would necessarily undo them or take them back if I could, because. I learned from them. And those helped get me to where I am now. And so, you know, looking back, I definitely did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. I definitely said a lot of things that I'm so embarrassed about. But I do think all of those things are a part of my past. All of those things are a part of me figuring out, you know, what felt right to me. And I think a lot of it was doing these things and saying these things that at the time I thought were right and then getting reactions from people and whether that reaction was dishonesty, whether whether that reaction was them pulling away or, you know, me saying something that was maybe even like a little bit too forward or just very forward and very open and them either accepting it or rejecting it. And over time, I learned that I need to say what's on my mind. If I... If there's something that I'm thinking about or something that I'm afraid to say, I am going to be so anxious to the point of like self-sabotage unless I put it out there. And I want to be with somebody who's going to be okay with me saying the things I need to say. I want to be with somebody who's going to embrace my open communication and sometimes over-communication. And I want somebody who's going to reciprocate that and be so open and communicative with me back because that's what feels good for me. And so that was a lot of trial and error of me doing things and saying things and seeing people not give me that communication back. And then when I finally did meet somebody who was openly communicating with me more so than I had ever really seen anyone before, that allowed me to move forward with him in a way where I felt calm. The anxiety that was there in every other dating situation was gone and I felt like I could really be myself. And now we're moving in together. So Yee!
1: I'm so happy for you. And it is interesting when you turn that corner and then you realize, oh, I don't need to effort so much. I don't need to do so much. It's so much more about surrendering and then feeling like, this is going to sound corny, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I'm being authentic. Like that feeling of surrender and knowing that you're going to be held.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that I try and you know encourage people to do, especially when it comes to texting, because I think that's the biggest difference generationally, where like half of our dating happens online and behind a phone. And I think there's so much pressure that that adds. There's so much stress and anxiety and miscommunication. And what I try and tell people is from the start on a dating app, just try and text somebody as if you're texting your best friend because that's the most online authentic version of yourself. And that's ultimately how you would be communicating with them over text, you know, two months down the road, two years down the road. And so being yourself over text really, I think, allows you to know that they're going to embrace you for that and accept you for that. And that'll further allow you to be yourself in person.
1: Yeah, I okay, we have to get into texting. <laughs> Cuz I agree with you. I say text the way you speak. Like try try here we are again with authenticity. I say text the way that you speak. And that gets us back to authenticity of really not trying to manipulate the situation or play the games like you were saying, but just how can I be my natural self? But I got to say, I I've I've had to start embracing texting as a part of the dating process. I would say it started coming up about 10 years ago as like all of these questions of, wait, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond to this. How long should this be going on? Uh, Should I use emojis? Should I not use emojis? Like what's up with, and that made me know that that The dating etiquette was changing. The dating process was changing. And we had to start embracing texting as a step, a literal step. But I still think we're spending too much time on texting. Like, you cannot really tell who someone is just from the written word.
0: No, you can't. And I think... We also end up making so many false assumptions of who somebody is from what they're saying. And, you know, you mentioned like, how long should this be going on? I think that's a huge issue that people run into with dating, especially, you know, okay, you're on the dating app and then you exchange numbers, you're off the dating app, but now you're texting, but you haven't planned a date yet. Or, you know, one of you is going away for a few weeks and then the other's going away. So you're not going to see each other for a month, but you're still texting. And suddenly you realize you've been, caught up in this trap where you guys are texting each other for five weeks before you've ever met in person. And you're now putting this person on a pedestal. Your expectations of them are so high. You think you know exactly who they are. Maybe you have great communication over text. So you're like, oh my God, this is going to work out. It has to work out. That puts so much pressure on the first date. And you may have completely misread who this person is. And I've had that happen to me more times than I can count where I thought our texting banter was so good and we had so much in common and the first date was going to be magical and we were going to hit it off. And this was my person. And then we met and I was like, oh, my God, I have absolutely nothing to talk to this person about. And it's really awkward. And I want to end this date right now.
1: And then there's the people that don't actually want to meet up. Like, I don't know, maybe they're married, maybe they're catfish. Like, we don't know. But there are people that will just keep you on the hook because that's the need that they have that's what that's their reason for being on the app and you really have to you really have to s- suss it out before you get emotionally invested and the other element that i think adds a lot of anxiety to this is that you're also doing this probably with another one or two people so now it feels like you know, I used I I, I say date it, date like it's your job, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, I work all the time anyway. I don't want to date like it's my job." But I kind of meant that before we were spending hours. If you really clock the hours that you're spending texting these strangers and waiting on messages and, and being anxious about what they're gonna say or not being able to interpret what the it's just why uh, we're stressing ourselves out. So what do we do? Alana, like when it's like so time consuming and emotionally draining, but it is a necessary part of the dating process.
0: Yeah. I mean, keyword on emotionally draining, as you just said, you know, I see friends and and my listeners go through this all the time where they really are trying and they are trying to date like it's a job because they really want to find that person. They want to make it work. But every situation seems to not work out or they'll text somebody for a week and then the person ends up just not responding one day or they'll you know go on a date and the person will text them the next day but then never answer again and it's so much emotional investment for no payoff and it just leads to so much burnout it leads to feeling like hopeless and yeah i think i think what one thing that's really important is to not text for too long before a date and this is something that I think worked really well, actually, with me and my boyfriend Jake when we first met. Is It was the beginning of January 2021. So right before vaccines were coming out. And we matched and on Hinge. And for the record, he messaged me and I didn't answer. And he followed up a week later and said, figured I'd try again. So you guys take notes. It's okay to follow up. I'm very glad he did that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that before. I want to hear more of your love story. But before we move on, there there is this feeling of like don't double text or if he's interested enough, he will he follow to, up. And then we get back now we're back in gender roles, okay? And is it is it okay for a woman to follow up if she's really interested? Does that make her seem
0: too thirsty? Yeah, I think it's absolutely okay to follow up. I think you have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain and you know, even if uh conversation took off and they didn't answer, you didn't answer. And you're, it's it was five months ago, like pick it back up. I did that before. And I ended up dating the person for like six months and it was great. And I think it's like, you don't know the person, you don't owe them anything. They don't owe you anything. Conversations drop off. People get busy until you actually like meet in person or really know each other and connect on a deeper level. Like, they're probably talking to other people. Also, they are seeing other people. To other people, They're definitely <laughs> the seeing thing. other people because we all are at the beginning stages of dating. And so I think really showing like, Hey, just like chiming in again and, and asking a question or saying like, we never got that date planned. Like I'd love to meet up. When are you free next week is the perfect way to just say like, Hey, I'm still interested if you are. And guess what? If nothing happens, then you're right back where you were before you sent that message.
1: Yeah. And th- all of these factors are constantly changing. And a lot of times I'll hear, I want to be pursued or like if they were really that interested, they they would have responded to my first message or sent a message when we matched or whatever it is, whatever that story is that you're telling yourself, that may not actually be true. We we tend to think that that dictates the rest of the rules of the relationship, right? right? Doesn't. And, and then we also get scared that I, I, I don't know what we're scared of. I, like, we're, are we, we're afraid it'll make us look bad. And then like, what are they going to put who, it on TikTok or something?
0: Like, I don't, it's just,
1: it's so transactional at that point.
0: Here's the thing. I mean, talk to anybody, you know, in a marriage, in a, any form of partnership, do they care who sent the first message or if somebody sent a message twice? No, all that matters is that somebody sent a message. And then somebody asked the other one out and then they went out. That's all that matters. I
1: will tell you one thing after 15 years of marriage. um, One thing has really remained consistent. My husband is a terrible texter. He's great communicating in person. He's never been good at texting, which is funny because he's a writer. So you'd think you'd be good (laughs) with the words on paper or on a screen, but it's just not his chosen method of communication. And he's still is not a great texter. And I have to express to him how I like to be communicated to. But, you know, I've had to say to him, can you just like heart or like the text I sent? So I know that you saw it and you heard me, right? Because I'll just, I'll be like double texting, triple texting him. Like, are you saying this? And it's just not, it's not in his, his nature to, to like, he, if it doesn't inspire a response immediately, he doesn't think he needs to respond to it. So, you know, by asking for that, it really has changed our textationship.
0: And, and he has been receptive to you asking.
1: Sure. I mean, he's still not great at it, but he's never going to be great at it. And yeah. I get a lot of questions like, how can I make this person a better texter? And what does it mean if, if they're not, uh, you know, clever, fun, and texting. And I'm like, let's not let's not put the cart before the horse. Like, it, what is more important? Your face-to-face communication or your texting?
0: Yeah. And look, I mean, I get it because I'm a really big texter and I've dated guys who have been horrible texters and the whole time, like, are they a bad texter or do they hate me is what's going through my head. And, you know, it took me a, a, until a point where I really liked this guy, but I, that's really it was the big question mark for me. So I said something to him. I was like, I feel like our dates are really great, but then I don't really hear from you in between the dates. And it makes me question how you're feeling. And I'm not sure if that's because you're questioning how you're feeling and you don't know where you stand or if you're just a really bad texter. And he instantly was like, I'm so sorry that I made you feel that way. I'm not a good texter, but if it will make you feel better, if I text you more, I can totally do that. And that was a huge sign for me, like, okay, A, I just communicated about something I was really nervous to with him, and he made me feel, like, safe and comfortable doing that. And B, he can show up for me in the way that I need. And guess what? Maybe had he said, like, I'm a really bad texter and, like, sorry, but, like, I I am into you, but that's just me, maybe it just wouldn't have worked out. And that's okay. But I I learned from asking that, all right, he does care, and he can show up for me. Hmm,
1: and so much of that comes from the personal share of being vulnerable, being authentic, and I, I think just we keep coming back to not playing games, but not looking at it as I have to. I have to keep my emotions in this level, or I have to say a certain thing to get them to like me. But I have to be able to be authentic and let them see the real me and figure out what to do with it. Because at a certain point, it's, it's either going to work or it's not going to work and they're not going to be the person, but they're not going to be the only person. I I did want to come back to this idea of dating, of seeing other people and dating multiple people, because I do get a lot of questions from people who are not really used to dating multiple people at once. I think the etiquette used to be in the US and it very recently I, would, I found like in the UK where I have clients and, and in, other, in other places in Europe, the etiquette was you're dating one person until you decide to stop dating them. And the etiquette in the US has been for a long time, you are dating multiple people until you declare that you're exclusive with one person. So for a lot of folks, it's not really comfortable. And they ask me, with the apps, what should I do? I feel like you can't put all of your eggs in one basket, but how would
0: you help someone navigate that, that dissonance? It's really hard, and I think there are two types of people. The first type being people who are naturally good at it, and the second type being people who it makes them incredibly uncomfortable. It's very overwhelming and stressful. And I definitely fell into that second bucket for a very long time. And I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of therapists will recommend for anyone anxiously attached, like absolutely date multiple people at once, because then you won't be like putting all your eggs in that one basket. You won't be overthinking that one person because you'll have someone else to distract you. And I would say, try, I mean, baby steps with everything. Don't just jump right in and say, all right, I'm not going to just date one person. I'm now going to date 10 people or try and go on four dates a week. Like, you don't have to do that. That might be really scary and then you're not actually getting the chance to focus on each person and give them a whole like real chance. But I would say, you know, maybe try going on dates with two different people a week or if you feel like things are not promising with someone, then go go on the app and still continue seeing things through with that person, but also be looking for other people to have conversations with and connect with. I think where it gets a little messy is when you start bringing in people who you know in person or who you were introduced to by a friend of a friend. And then that gets a little murky because you don't want to be doing wrong by your friend that set you up with them. Where maybe they end up being really interested in you and assuming that for some reason you're the only, they're the only person you're seeing, but you're still dating all these other people and and looking for other people. So I think always you know proceed with caution. And I think the most important thing is to be open about it. You know, if somebody says like, "What's going on in your dating life right now?" or "What are you looking for?" like be open like you are looking to find somebody and it's been, you know, tough on the apps but you're learning what you like and you don't like and you're going on dates with different people and you're excited to, you know, find that person that you connect with and can move forward with. But don't if you're dating multiple people don't, you know, be like, yeah, like I'm so excited to see where this goes with you and like any day of the week you want like is all yours, you know? Like don't mislead somebody because I think that's one of the hardest things about dating is is all of the misleading and all of like the miscommunication. So I think just being very open about where you're at is important.
1: It's very important. And you've made it past that point. (laughs) You're moving in with your boo, and you said a week and a half. Congratulations on that. I'm curious for you, I hear a lot of times regarding online dating, people say, oh, but this is the paradox of choice, and there's so many options, no one wants to settle down and no one is committing, and I, I've simply not seen that to be true. Like, I understand it's a different, the pacing is different, certainly. D- dating more people, the, it's going faster. It's, you're going to meet more people that aren't a fit because you're meeting more people. I mean, if we just look at dating from 10 or 20 years ago, like 20 years ago, you were maybe going on maybe one date a quarter, like maybe if you were lucky every couple months. But, you know, I have a lot of clients that are going on multiple dates a week. And so I think sometimes then the um, the churn of that and the the disappointment can make people look at why, like why, why is this happening? But you've gotten past that point. You said you and your guy met on Hinge. What was different this time? How did you know that this was someone who would be able to move to the next phase with you?
0: So it goes back to something um, I brought up earlier, which was that open communication. And for me, my biggest struggle, I think I self-sabotaged most of my potential relationships and situationships because I would overthink so much and I would feel so anxious about well did they like me and are they going to want to see me again and when's that next date happening cuz this date was great but we didn't leave it with another plan and i would just drive myself crazy i would text them like probably way too much because i was i just wanted that validation that they were going to respond or you know maybe if i text them then they'll have the idea to ask me out and with my boyfriend his name's Jake he was very upfront with how he felt after our first date he texted me immediately after saying he had a great time and he would love to see me again and he didn't allow me to be anxious and I felt really comfortable I was like okay I can do that for the record our first date wasn't magical there were no sparks it was 20 degrees and we were sitting outside on a street corner eating dinner that was getting cold within 10 seconds and the whole time we talked about how cold we were but nothing bad happened I thought he was cute and you know we had some good conversation so I was like all right I can see him again that sounds good And our second date was a little bit better. And, you know, we were warm and inside and found more points to connect on. And I still wasn't like, he's the one. But after that, I was going away for three weeks to visit family. And the next day, he texted me saying, I know you're gone for a while, but I'd love to talk while you're gone and see you when you're back. And again, if he hadn't said that, I would have spent the whole three weeks freaking out about whether or not I was going to see him, even though at this point, I didn't even know if I liked him that much. But him being upfront, not playing games, not leaving me to wonder what he was thinking. That just allowed me to feel comfortable and to be myself. And you know, after our third date, I that's when I really started to have feelings for him and and things started to to take off and it's been like that the whole time where his his early communication didn't just go away after those dates, like we're so open with each other about how we're feeling, about what we want. And we talk about the future all the time. And I think that's just been what's really grounded me and allowed me to be my authentic self and make this relationship work.
1: Listeners, note the three date rule. (laughs) I say three dates. Give it three dates. If you're still curious, it sounds like there was enough there for you to be curious, but not to Get so far ahead, you know, the anxiety comes up when we are projecting to the future, ruminating on the past. And so you could really be in the moment. Last question I'm curious to know from his perspective, did he go into dating with the mindset of, I'm looking for a serious girlfriend? Or was it just something about when the two of you connected?
0: He wasn't like, I need to find the one, but he also was of the school of thought, well, like anyone I date seriously right now, you know, he was. 28 or at the time he he knew that if he was going to like seriously date someone it was someone that he would see a future with that being said you know he had gone on some dates in the months before me and didn't meet that person that he connected with but we both actually have talked about how had we met 6 months earlier it wouldn't have worked we were not in the right place we were not in the right state of mind for it we both had a lot of stuff going on with work and other aspects of our lives where We could have met. We could have been set up by friends who had said you guys would get along great. And we probably would not have ended up in a relationship because we both weren't really ready for it.
1: Thank you so much for joining me, Alana. You can catch more of Alana's advice on her podcast, Seeing Other People, wherever you like to listen to this podcast right now. Be sure to follow Alana on Instagram at alana.done or at seeing other people. You can catch more of Ilana's advice on her podcast, seeing other people on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. My partner and I are going through some pretty serious stuff. Is my relationship worth fighting for? You're going to want to hear this. All right, lovers, it is story time. I got to tell you about my client, Letty. Letty reached out to me like... 20 months ago. She is freaking awesome, like all my clients are. She's brilliant, she's a successful business owner, she's an amazing mom, she's just super, super cool, and I knew she was a catch. But she came to me after she'd been on so many dates after ending her first marriage, and she was just really struggling to find the person who really saw her and would embrace her and would be the kind of person that she wanted to bring into her kid's life, and so she came to me for help and she joined my Dating Accelerator program. And this is in spite of her like being really good at talking to people, meeting so many people through her work every day, being on the dating app. She'd been trying and trying and trying to connect with someone, but she didn't have the right system. And so after taking the Dating Accelerator program, she messaged me last December one year after she ended her program, to let me know that she had gotten engaged to this guy that she met on Match using my set of dating rules and roadmaps. And I just got so excited because I truly get personally invested in my client's success. Like, when you have a win, when you get the life that you want, I feel that too. And it just makes me want to keep passing it on. Like, literally, I I teared up, (laughs) y'all. I teared up because... I want this not just for Letty, but I want this for all of my clients. I want this for all of my listeners. I want this for everyone. And it sucks because I know exactly how to do this. I've been doing this for over 15 years. But people will have all kinds of reasons why. They don't want to get uncomfortable. They they think it's it's too much of an investment. It's too much time. It's not enough time. Whatever the reason is that's stopping you from taking action right now, I just want you to pause. and. I want you to know that if you've been listening to this podcast, whether it's been for one episode, one year, 10 years, you know that I know this stuff and I know the mistakes and the challenges and the systems that work time and time again. So I'm just reaching out my hand to you to remind you that the Dating Accelerator Program Live is starting up again. We only run it twice a year. This is the only way to coach with me in person and we're enrolling right now. And through August 31st, we have early bird enrollment going on. So you get a $300 discount off of the program. So that's like over 20% off of the entire program. There are payment plans available. We're going to make it work for you, but you've got to take the action. The first step to say, yes, I trust you, Damona. I know you know what you're doing. I know that I have been struggling through this for way too long and I'm ready to have my happily ever after like Letty. So you just go to thedatingsecret.com. That's thedatingsecret.com. And if it's still August when you're listening to this, enter the code August and you'll get $300 off. But even if it's not, no worries. We're, we're doing this program starting the week of September 19th. So it's not too late to get in the mix and get the dating help that you need. I hope you'll join me. I've always got you covered with your dating and relationship dilemmas, so now it's time for the question of the week.
0: Dear Damona.
1: Demona, help me. This is an Instagram message that I received from M. M says, I've been with my fiancé for 11 years now. The first five years, we were on and off, but we have been living together for the last six years. Girl, you're making me do math. She says, our communication skills haven't been the best, but I've always made him aware that the way he talks to me isn't okay. I feel like he tries to belittle me in front of others, talks to me like he's annoyed by me or like I'm stupid. One of the last arguments we had was because he told me that I'm stupid. Overall, I just don't feel like he respects me. I've asked multiple times if we could please try to work on it. And I've even brought up counseling and he said no. I recently tried breaking things off because I feel the respect isn't there. He then proceeded to apologize and said he would change and said we could do counseling. It's been a week and he still hasn't looked into counseling. While I have, I just don't know if this type of behavior can be improved. I feel like part of me is over the relationship, but at the same time, I still love him and care for him. I just don't know if this relationship is worth fighting for anymore. Man, um, I'm sorry you're going through this. You have invested a lot of time in this relationship and... It's really tough when you get to that point where you're like, is this worth fighting for? And I cannot answer that question for you, but I can pose a couple of questions to you to try to figure out how to answer that question for yourself. First of all, I will tell you that my four factors for long-term compatibility, I touched on a couple of them earlier, shared values, shared goals for the future, communication and conflict resolution, and trust and mutual respect. So you've hit on that fourth one, the only one that I didn't bring up earlier, trust and mutual respect, because that one is foundational. And once your trust and respect in this person or feeling like they respect you is broken, it does take a lot of effort to regain that trust. And I'll admit, I'm a little concerned about him name-calling, especially to belittle you. I just want to share with you the Gottman Institute's four horsemen of a relationship, how you know if you're headed towards a relationship apocalypse. And the four horsemen are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So you've told me two of the four. Uh, Criticism, telling you that you're stupid, criticizing you for your choices or who you are or how you live your life is really not something that a supportive partner who trusts you and respects you, should do. Contempt, feeling like they resent you, attacking your character, calling you names, mocking you, disrespecting you. These all fall under the second of the four horsemen. You can read up a little bit more on Gottman. They've done a lot of research on on relationships and predictors of whether a couple would stay together or break up. But these are things to really pay attention to. Now, does it mean that your relationship is definitely headed for a breakup? No, but it is really important when you see these signs to get help. And I'm glad to hear that you are moving towards counseling and we're seeing a big shift around people being open to therapy and even seeing therapy as a positive in their lives but you got to get him to come to the table. Now, he thinks everything is fine, it sounds like. And a lot of times you need a catalyst. You need a reason for someone to want to change. And that the water level on that hasn't gotten high enough for him to feel like uh, he need, he's drowning and he needs to get some air. Because you're allowing it. You've allowed this behavior, maybe for 11 years, maybe for 6 years, maybe more recently but you've got to get him to come to the table. So if he's saying he's open to counseling, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to go the extra step or feel the intensity of emotion the way that you are because it's not a priority for him. He doesn't feel the suffering and the suffocating in the relationship the way that you are right now. If he did, he would be suggesting counseling. So if he's saying at least he's willing to come to the table It's worth you setting the table for him. And we can't expect, if it's such an effort to get him to even say, yes, I'm open to counseling, we can't expect him to then also be like, and now I'm going to research and find a counselor. Because I know that is a lot of work. That's why I work with BetterHelp, because it's really hard to find the right fit and make an appointment and go through the screening and all of that stuff. So get him to the table. Before you can say whether this relationship is worth fighting for anymore or not, you've got to be in a space with an objective professional that can help you answer those questions together. So let's not wait for him to look into counseling. So let's take all the stuff out, put it on the table, and see what we've got and see if you have enough there to rebuild the relationship. Time should never be the thing that keeps you in a relationship, time invested. It has to be a choice. Every day it's a choice, m. Every day it's a choice to show up for this relationship. And you've got to know if he's willing to do the work and continue to show up for you in the way that you need and a way that you deserve a partner to show up. I hope you enjoyed episode 426 of Dates and Mates. If you are new to the show, I want to welcome you with open arms. We love to hear from you. I love taking your questions for our Dear Demona segment. You can send them to me in a DM at Demona Hoffman. You can leave me a voice memo there or just send them in the the text of the message. You can also send them to me on Twitter or Facebook at Demona Hoffman. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Welcome you to the club with open arms. Just so you know, DMs are always open for your questions. I'm at Damona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I love hearing your voice. I would love to get a voice memo from you. You can also just send me your question in text form, or you can call me or text me your question officially at 424-246-6255. And by the way, whether you're new to the show or you've been listening for a long time, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, where we're new and noteworthy this week, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. And tell us which guests and topics you love or you want to hear from. And we'll keep making maybe 10 seasons more of this show to help you in your love life. We'll be back again next Tuesday with comedian Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show. And we're having a pretty intense conversation about interracial dating and gender roles, dating etiquette, so much more. You won't want to miss it. Until then, I wish you happy dating.